How are we doing this morning? Yeah, I promise I'm going to be expeditious here. I would like you to get your Bibles, though, ready if you could. Open them up to Acts chapter 23, and we're going to be busted in the Word here in a moment. Uh, you saw a picture of a young man on that video from, uh, that we just showed you, and it was from a meeting that we were having in Bujumburo, that is the largest city in Burundi. And that young man is 20 years old that was holding, I, was, I, I, I want to say I was holding his hand, but he actually had a vice grip hold on my hand. Matter of fact, at one point I thought, I wonder if he wants me to let go. And as I tried to let go of him, it's like he clamped down harder. And I thought, he's going to crush my fingers. This kid is strong. His name's Vianni. His story is a world rattler, and I've got to give it to you here, guys, so... Lend me your heart for a moment. Isaiah said, uh, Vianney, we'd like to have you share your story, and you need to know we got a great translator there who was with us. And Vianney began to share with, with us uh, one of the most heart-wrenching stories you've ever heard. At the age of seven, he had some horrible news, but some terrific news. His dad that beat him routinely walked out of the home and left his mom and his little brother who was five years old. He said it wasn't too hard to see him go. I mean, obviously it was, but I mean, this is a guy that was beat up routinely by his dad. Seven-year-old boy, five-year-old brother, and a mom had to fend for them all. Life got so tough in Burundi for the mom that she walked out on him. So Vianney and his five-year-old brother are on the streets of Bujumburo, foraging around day after day, year after year, looking for some food. Vianney's a super responsible guy and a strong kid. He's got this vice grip on my hand, and I'm like, wow. He's pouring out his heart about this story, and at one point I saw that there was some emotion that maybe needed to break through, but he, he couldn't quite do it. But I stored that up in my heart as something that might be coming. It was a pretty cool moment when he began to pour out his heart a little bit more because at the age of 14 he felt like I've got to go make some real money for my little brother and so he went to a job that a friend of his had located in Tanzania and his friend went to it with him to this country that's neighboring of Burundi and there he started working some cattle uh, for a landowner and within a couple of months something awful happened the cattle started dying. Well, when cattle start dying in Tanzania and there's no gospel message and there's no core sense of Jesus Christ, they go looking for witch doctors. And he went and got a witch doctor and he brought the witch doctor in. And remember, this isn't 40 years ago. This is a few years ago. And he brought in a witch doctor and the witch doctor went through all of his incantations. And basically what a witch doctor is doing is... is um, having a bit of a seance or a connection with demonic forces. And so he's calling in this witch doctor, and the witch doctor says, we've got some bad luck with some of your laborers. And the owner said, what's going on? And he says, as I, as I look around and as I, as I go through all of my incantations, uh, your bad luck comes from Vianney. And if you don't deal with Vianney, it's more than cattle that are going to die. People are going to start dying in your homes. And the owner said, well, what do I do? And the 
And the uh, shaman, the witch doctor, looked at him and he said, uh, we, need, we need to kill him. So they took Viani out into a field, and as is the case with a lot of witch doctors, there was a ritual involved, and he stood between two trees, chained with his arms spread, no food, no drink, for about 48 hours. Near the end of that time, the witch doctor wanted to head off and find some gasoline to burn Viani. And as he walked away, Vianney cried out to the only God he'd ever heard of on the streets of Bujumbura, and that was the name Jesus. He had heard the name, but he didn't know the power of the name Jesus. But he cried out and he says, Jesus, if you are real, I'm yours. I don't know who you are, but if you're real, help me. At that very moment, the man that had gotten him a job thought, I need to go see how he's doing. He comes onto this cattle farm and he sees Viani tied between two trees, chained up. He hacks the chains off of him. Viani falls to the ground, slumps into a pile. He has no energy to move, he has no energy to even lift a cup of water. And this guy knew that Vianney was in trouble, so he threw Vianney up on his back, and he packed him all the way back to Burundi on his back. When he got back to his little area of town that he was raised in, he was glad to be free, but had kind of forgotten about this Jesus Christ that he had cried out to. Over those next few years, this young man, Vianney, had become a, quite a bitter young boy, as you can imagine. He had gotten so embittered that, and I believe probably he had given Satan a stronghold, that he had what was known as supernatural strength. He put two police officers in, in the hospital because they tried to restrain him. He jumped in pr front of a presidential motorcade, and how they didn't gun him down, no one knows except for the grace of God. Vianney then went to one of these crusades. One of these that our few shekels that we gave helped support. Vianney heard a little bit more about this Jesus. He fell to his face, surrendered his life to Christ. And he sat there in Bujumbaro, across from the table that we sat at, gripping my hand speaking of the grace and power of God that changed his life. He's now loving his little brother really well and caring for them. And he had one prayer request, but I'm going to save that for the end of my message. Here's what I want you to hear, and this is what I want you to know. One of the greatest hopes of God's children, those who have turned fully from religion to friendship with God, is we may find ourselves in the hands of man, but we're in the grip of God. I, I need everyone to hear that. We may find ourselves in the hands of man, but we're in the grip of God. I've titled this message today, and I'm going to go through this expeditiously. In the hands of man, but the grip of God. You know, I think there's something about the power of story, and that's why I'm so glad that we've been reading through large chunks of text here as we've been going through the book of Acts. 
It's very easy for pastors to paraphrase and put it in their own words, but there's nothing like reading the story. And so I want you to move with me through this. I don't have near the time that I had imagined to make comments on the text. I'm going to move to application points quickly. But the text speaks for itself, and I'll make a few comments as we go along. The context coming off the heels of Pastor Ajit's message last week is that the Apostle Paul is now done with his missionary journeys, but he's got one more journey to take, and that's all the way to Rome. And they want him. They want him dead. That's the Holy Spirit, not a train, by the way. They want him dead. So we pick it up in Acts 23, verse 12, and look at what we find here. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. This is huge, guys. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now therefore you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly and we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Now the son of Paul's sister, isn't this cool that he has a sister? The son of Paul's sister heard about the ambush. So this is Paul's nephew. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul, Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and going aside asked him privately, What is that that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul to the council tomorrow as though they are going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But, they do not, but do not be persuaded by them, for there are more than 40 men, and they are lying in ambush for him, who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, Tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Very important text here. The only thing that I want to highlight about this is that this is a different council than the Jerusalem council that was determining what it is that would be kind of the MVP, minimum viable product that followers of Christ would adhere to, food sacrifice to idols and several other things. This is a council of Judaizers who were already angry at Paul. They were angry, why? Because he had caused upheaval? No, because he had proclaimed the risen Christ is alive, resurrected from the dead. Pick it up in verse 23. We're going to keep cooking here, guys. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready. I'm going to make a note here. 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night, 9 p.m. There is a man who has the wisdom to know the Apostle Paul is such a hunted man. We are arming them up and they're even saying give Paul a mount, meaning Paul knew how to ride horses. Isn't that interesting? He was a horseman. He knew how to get around on a horse. Verse 24, also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. 
And he wrote a letter to this effect. Now, we do not know how Luke, who's the author of Acts, got a copy of this letter. But it's to the effect of, so we know he probably glanced at it and then wrote down all that he could remember. And this is what he said. Claudius Lysias, to his excellency, the governor Felix. And governor Felix, this guy's a loser, dude. This guy is a loser. He's Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony actually had his youngest daughter gave birth to this guy, Felix. Felix was a slave before he was a ruler. But he was so embittered through his years of slavery that he lived like it. Let me just say it right here. This dude was a cheat and fool. He didn't lay his eyes on one woman he didn't want to piddle with. And he was cruel. Felix was a scumbag. This guy was bad news. So he says, Claudius Lysias to his excellency, the governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued them. Having learned that he was a Roman citizen, now they're scared to death of his citizenship, like Paul mentioned two weeks ago, and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving of death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. Tris. This is an ancient city short of Caesarea, but it was already through the mountains so the areas where they would have ambushed Paul, now you got to imagine, they ride out of Jerusalem at 9 p.m., hop on those horses. they got spearmen. They've got guys that are clad in armor. They, are, they know that this is a high-value target here, and they want to protect them. But by the time they get to this little stopover before they get to Caesarea, they're through the heavy, heavy areas where they could have been ambushed. So look what they do. And on the next day, they return to the barracks. Those were all those infantry men that had taken him that far, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. Now, Herod's praetorium was a palace Guys, the Apostle Paul is getting like, this is like gold flying stuff. You know, when I get on a plane, I have to go right. About 30, 40 people go left on a Dreamliner. I go right. I go with 300 plus people to the right. He went left. I mean, this is amazing. So I want to keep rolling here because we pick it up in chapter 24 and watch what we find. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down. This is from coming down from Jerusalem. Now remember what I said here about six weeks ago. Everything is down from Jerusalem. Is it down geographically? No, it's north. But that's the holy city, the city on a hill, right? So everything is downhill from Jerusalem. So after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some of the elders and spokesmen, one Tertullus, now listen to this cat, 
They laid before the governor their case against Paul, and when he had summoned, had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace. He's speaking to Felix right now. Everybody knows that Felix is a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Everybody. Even his wife. Everybody. But look at what he's saying. Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and everywhere we accept this with all gratitude, but to detain you no further, I beg you, in your kindness, to hear us briefly. For we have found this man, Paul, a plague, one who sits, uh, stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we have accused him. The Jews also joined in uh, in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied. Now, before Paul gets into his reply, here's what I want you to know. <laughs> Tertullus forgot something. Some people know that perfume is good to smell, but not to drink. Felix might have been a real degenerate dude, but he knew that Tertullus was sucking up to him. He knew it. Oh, Felix, you've done so much for our country. You bring such peace. You're such a good man. If you will just give us a moment to tell you about the scumbag Paul. No. See what's happening here? There's all kinds of crazy political things happening. Verse 10, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you've been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing anyone, stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, which is what the early church was called, it was called the way. You would go to the way, which they call a sect. I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. Having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make the accusation, should they have anything against me. Let me stop there at the edge of 19. There is a huge thing going on here. Sometimes we look at these storylines and we don't put two and two together. Do you know how far the people had traveled that made a, a mess for Paul in Jerusalem? Probably 250 to 300 miles, depending on where in Asia Minor they were. Do you think they had a rabid hatred for the gospel and for the apostle Paul? Oh boy, did they. This is huge. 
And they're swearing an oath. We are not going to eat or drink until this guy is dead. Now some of them are getting hungry at this point. Verse 20. Or else let these men themselves say what, was, uh, what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. Wow. You see, you see this storyline, man? This is a made-for-television movie here. I mean, this is awesome stuff that's going on. So they're at Caesarea. Felix now has him in his grip. And now Felix is getting big time convicted by God. Watch this. Verse 22. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, when Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. And they, don't you know, they were kicking themselves. They're saying, shoot, man, we wanted to kill this guy. And now Felix is on his side. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. Are you hearing this? He's in Felix's palace. He's got the best food, the best drink, and he is told, tell his friends they can come and go as they please. Whoo! Don't tell me our God isn't alive. Verse 24. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about the faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control, every theologian agrees with this. You know what he was doing? Paul's going, he's not sucking up to Felix. He's saying, I want to tell you that God can give you the power to have right standing and be a noble man and to have self-control, meaning you don't have to pediddle on your wife anymore when God's got power inside of you. That's what he's saying. As he reasoned about righteousness and self-control in the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away from this present for this present time, is what he's saying. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. He's holding out for a bribe. So he spent for him, so he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years has elapsed, see how much time is going on here in one verse? Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. You got Jewish people hating Paul. It's friendly fire like you can't believe. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, guys. He had all the credentials. Tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. It's all in the book of Philippians. It's a beautiful storyline that illustrates exactly how credentialed Paul was. But now, even though he had been credentialed because he dared to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, he is enemy number one. He's top of their list. God did some amazing things here for Paul. 
And God's hand is moving throughout this whole thing. And the, the question you've got to ask yourself is, why are these stories here? I'll tell you why they're here. These are acts of the Holy Spirit, and it's God's expectation that we will read this story and say, how are you going to do that in me, God? Yeah. So I want to answer a question three ways very quickly. How is God's grip stronger than the hand of man how is God's grip stronger than the hand of man first God's grip can deliver you from plotting hateful people I need you to listen to me right now listen close God's grip can deliver you from plotting hateful people look scripture is real God says over and over again that we're going to be delivered into the hands of people, but you're never loosened from the grip of a sovereign God. I've been stunned lately. I was, I'm going to throw this in for free as if I have time here. I was reading in Acts 4, and I was blown away how the early church responded to uh, Peter and John's release from prison and the threat to, that they shut up and not share anything. You know what they did? They began to pray and they prayed this way. Sovereign God. And then they prayed. Sovereign God. You know what that says? You hold all things. Your grip is greater than the hand of any man, any governor, any hatred, any friendly fire. Sovereign God. And you know what I've been doing lately in my prayer life? I've been praying, sovereign God. And then I fill in the blank. Sovereign God, and I fill in the blank. Sovereign God, and this is a powerful thing because you know what it does? It takes the hang ring, hand ring and out of you, and you go before a holy God who is able to change any circumstance, and you say, I declare you sovereign God. God's grip can deliver you from plotting hateful people. I've had several people plot to undermine me as a pastor. I think it's part of being a pastor. That happens from time to time. It's the cost of doing business. And it's okay. Sometimes it gets hard. But one time, I had a man plotting against me in a big way. Oh my goodness. He's making phone calls to spiritual leaders around the country. And Luis Palau, who was, became a dear friend of mine, and some others. And I'm like, <sighs> my bride and I went to this guy and said, this dude's like, he's honest, man. I want to make a statement here. Ajit made a profound point that came out of his message last week. Biblical Christians don't take everything laying down. Remember that point he made? It was profound. It was, it was a masterful message he preached. Authentic Christ followers don't take everything laying down. In other words, if you live in a culture that gives you societal rights, Roman citizen, Paul was, he said, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. You, you can't just whack me. There are societal norms that God has given us in the United States of America that means on some occasions you don't have to take it all lying down. Now, that's not.
not a green light to become an angry evangelical. But after you've not taken everything lying down and you still find yourself with people plotting against you, you say, Sovereign God. A wise man told my bride and I, he said, Oh, guys, I know how much this hurts you, but I need you to know the God you've been preaching about your whole life long is faithful. And so we went home and we got on our knees and everything inside me wanted to call all around the country going, we've got some shenanigans going on here. But God got on the telephone ahead of me. And by the time we doubled back with all these people that he was trying to plot through, God had intercepted every one of them. All we did was keep our head down and mouth shut because even if you feel like you're in the hands of man, you're never out of the grip of God. I want you to believe that from the bottom of my heart. I know we live in a world of injustice. I know that there's going to be difficult days coming for authentic Christ followers. I know that things are going to get rough out there, man. It's going to get tumultuous to take a stand for simple things that used to be just no-brainers 15 years ago, which is mom, dad, children, you know, like nuclear family. And I don't want to get political at all. I'm just saying that if you take a stand for which God is clear about in his word, not an angry stand, but a holy, righteous stand, sovereign God sees, and he cares. He does. How is God's grip stronger than the hand of man? Second thing, God's grip can turn your earthly authorities into heavenly allies. Oh, that's exactly what happened with Paul. Felix became an ally. He shouldn't have been an ally of the gospel. Anyone else here with me on this one? You mean to tell me, Carl, you think God can work through totally despot, crazy, godless leaders in our culture today? Oh, yeah. He has and he will. You know why? Y'all were desperate, foolish people too, and God's kindness was extended to you, and he loved you. Had this happen to me one time, moving to South Africa. My bride and I were ready to go. Got our last 55-gallon drums. I'm so old, we used to ship things in 55-gallon drums. We had our 55-gallon drums loaded, everything we owned, I think in six buckets, if I'm not mistaken. Kids' toys. Janine's pregnant with Muriel. I cannot hardly believe it. My bride was pregnant with Muriel, and we go to South Africa. What are we thinking? But it was awesome. Two days before we're to go, two days, I get notice. Sorry, there's something in your background check. 
that says we got a problem here. Well, the background check was when they asked us when I'm applying to go and get my visa, it said, have you ever been convicted of a crime in any country? Well, Mr. Honest Carl here, I had been arrested once for doing a breaking and entering while I was under the influence of alcohol before I was born again. And I made restitution. I apologized to the guy. I was even sobbing. I was a young man. And I said, I'm so sorry. I paid 500 bucks for a door that cost 100 bucks. Just wanted to make the whole thing just right. And uh, the Lord saved me from that and so much more. But now, years later, we're trying to go to Africa. I'm trying to go do God's work. But now my past is catching up with me. I get on the phone with a woman and I said, is there any help you could give me? And I tell her the whole story and she says, Carl Clausen, I am one of maybe two people who you could have called who has the power to do anything about this. But I am going to expunge this thing that was on your record. You are feed free to travel to South Africa right now. She know Jesus? Didn't sound like it on the phone. Sounded to me like God used earthly authority for heavenly things. Third, third, God's grip can give you provision in the hands of manipulation. What do I mean here? Oh, Paul was being manipulated left and right. Everybody wanted a piece of him. Some wanted to kill him. Some wanted money. Nobody wanted the truth. But what the Lord laid on my heart as I was finalizing prep for this message is although you may not have earthly manipulation going on every moment of every day we have a spiritual battle that we are in and Satan is attempting to manipulate your life oftentimes what we find in the scriptures is just a reflection of a spiritual truth and there are demonic forces that are attempting to drub you down and beat you up or falsely elevate you and I want you to know our God's grip can carry you through the manipulation of man's hands or of Satan's hands. He will not let you go. Vianney had one big battle left. One big one. And he had one desire. He got done sharing his story. 20-year-old man sitting right there. Isaiah said he's got one more prayer that he wants you to pray, guys. I said, what is it? He said through an interpreter, I want a wife, but no one where I live, none of those women, they all see me as crazy Vianney. They see me as the guy who put two policemen in jail and they don't want to have nothing to do with me, man. But I really want to marry a, a godly girl. I'm like, come here, Vianney. 
Yanni walked around the corner of that table. I remember he had a vice grip on my hand, and I knew that the Spirit of God was saying something to me because he lost his daddy, and he never really had one. And then what happened was magic. Walks around the table. I took a risk, and I reached out, and I hugged Bihani. He hugged me so hard. And his heaving sobs did not stop for 10 to 15 minutes. Heaving sobs. Some people that were there said, you might be the first man that's ever hugged Vianney in his life. I need you to hear me. No matter where you find yourself, in the hands of man, those that are children of God can never escape the grip of God. Paul's story is your story. Paul's story is my story. By his grace and by his power, we will overcome. spot in there but a tin spot goes a long way folded that thing up put it in his hand and I said listen to me you're going to find that woman and when you do you take her out for a little bite at some little shop down the road you get her a good little gift you hold on to that tin spot though until that day comes okay Vianney he said I will See, he's awesome in that place. He's awesome in that place. And he's awesome in this place. Let's stand and praise our God right now. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Lift it up, guys. Sing it out. Here we go. You are awesome in this place, our Father.
to love you as well as we can. We're imperfect, but we're on a good path. And if you're new here, go out to that uh, info kiosk in the lobby and grab a book. We'd love to get one into your hands. You saw the other announcements. We got Young Professionals events coming soon at Bussy Park, and we've got a big college gathering coming up soon. Make note of those things. Let me give you a blessing as we head out today. May the God who can grip you while people plot things against you. And may the God who can grip you and turn earthly authorities into heavenly allies. And may the God who grips you provide you provision in the hands of manipulation, sometimes very dark. May he provide for you. To him be glory church, both now and forevermore. Amen. Have a great day.